should be seeking as Christians in culture to interact with the middle ground. The way to do that is we don't compromise on our moral standard. Whatever that happens to look like for each of us, whatever we believe are our moral standards in line with the scriptures and what we in our conscience have read and in through prayer and support of others around us. Middle ground is about maintaining that in a way that we don't lose moral authority yep. with the world around us. Because if we, if we do lose that moral authority, then there's no point, really. We, we might have our moral standard. We end up being people living in a community, living in our clique, while the world is going to hell around us. Hi, guys. Welcome to episode seven of the Christians in Culture podcast. My name's Adam Bear. I am the worship director or creative director at C3 Church in Picton. Doing a fantastic job, too. <laughs> I'm here with uh, Jimmy Brennan, uh, and I am from C3 Camden. I'm one of the uh, young adults leaders. Doing a fantastic job, too, <laughs> Jimmy. These gentlemen are very humble. They're doing fantastic. We have, I love them. It's a bit and they're doing a great job helping us out with this podcast as well. They're both on this podcast a lot because they are what I would regard as diehards when it comes to podcasts. Uh, they do uh, listen to a few avid consumers of podcasts and, uh, and uh, very helpful, very common. Uh, we have a podcast page for our leaders on our Facebook page. It's going to be quiet recently. That's because there's been a lot going on, but I'm sure we'll pick it up again. We'll pick it up again. Yeah. We might even have some podcasts to recommend like Christians, like, uh, in, Christians culture. in Culture. I heard yeah. it's going to be pretty good. So, Keep an uh, eye out. So it's great to have you guys. My name is Rowan and I'm the lead pastor along with my amazing wife, Jill. We have incredible location pastors as well. We'll have uh, we'll have some of those on the podcast as well at some point in this season mm-hmm. uh, as well as some other speakers, but I've asked these guys to get together for a large chunk of these 15 mm-hmm. And uh, and we will nut through some great topics. So thanks for having. Yeah. And you're thanks all doing a great job. All Thank of you. you. Yeah, we do have incredible yeah, we have, pastors. We have great pastors. Yeah, part of a fantastic movement. Yeah, that is uh, pressing on for Jesus. It's yes, awesome. definitely. Yeah, it's great. So over the last couple of episodes, we've we've touched on this kind of idea of um, people withdrawing away from society and and living in their own Christian bubble kind of thing, and and not going out into the world. Um, it's it's known as Christian ghettos you know, throughout history, uh, and a lot of Christians today seem to want to continue that tradition. And I don't know. If it's out of fear or if it's just out of comfort, but um, yeah, I, I have seen Christians in my world that that don't like to go out into the world and only have Christian friends, or mm. you know, for fear that they may be tarnished by sin. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, all kinds of issues. Mm. So in this episode, we want to discuss the pros and cons of of that option. And to start with, we we want to ask. The question, where did this all start? So, who wants to tackle where the monastic lifestyle came from? Jimmy's looking at me. All right. Well, yeah, I think uh, I think you make a good point there, Adam, that, that there are a whole host of reasons why. And you might be surprised to hear Adam even say there are pros and cons. There'll be people who are thinking, isn't that the only way to live? Mm. To withdraw from the world, come out and be separate 
says the Lord, that kind of thing. And there'll be others that'll be thinking, what do you mean? I thought we were not supposed to be separate at all. So wherever you fit on that spectrum, why and how did monasticism or the monastic lifestyle come about? Well, it, it's quite complex and and probably don't have the time to go into it in great depth. I'm not even sure that I have a full handle on the history of monasticism in the Christian church, but for but a brief overview, I suppose, could be helpful here. There are, there are two main streams of monasticism, and, and the word uh, monastic actually comes from the, word, the, the Greek word monos, which means alone. We get mono from it, you know, mono means one. Monotone, one tone. So that's where that word's the same word, and it comes from being alone. And so that's uh, the two streams. The first one actually is probably more the alone thing is what we would call isolationist in monasticism. So these some examples in the Bible, for instance, would be Elijah in the drought. He went off on his own for for the period of the drought and lived on his own. John the Baptist John was a monastic. He lived on his own in the desert. Uh, or Love the, John the Baptist. Sorry. John the Baptist. That was one of my one of my first youth group talks was really? on John the Baptist yeah. because we will talk. We were going. Did you dress Bible up characters. like John the Baptist? Did no. You have, did at, you that, at that point, I didn't have a beard, You'd, so because right. I was, well, I would have been maybe eighteen, nineteen. Okay. So yeah, didn't quite have the beard at that point. Didn't I had hair on, on my head, and I didn't have hair on my face at that point. Oh, yeah. Well, I did, but it wasn't very not as the, uh, the it was stubble. Yeah. It was a yeah, stubble like I have at forty seven. Yeah. Yes, that's right. I still have stubble. Yeah, but I love John the Baptist. I think just think that he's just a great character. He's that true reflection of, you know, don't look at me, look at him. Great, mm, good know, point. Like that's 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 yeah. why that's why I chose him. I just yeah, love yeah, him. That's good. That's great. So yeah, so the the these guys are uh, which we call isolationists, and and that's where the word came from. In some way, they forsook some sort of worldly pleasure. Hmm. whether that was food or sex or comfort or hmm. whatever. Um, this where these guys... Now, in, in the church history, in the early church history, there were, there were some funny stories of some isolationists. There's this one guy called Saint... I learned this in Bible college back in the nineteen late 1980s, early 1990s. Uh, you, you should Google this guy. If you're driving, don't Google him now. <laughs> but uh, when you get home, Google a guy. I think his name is something like Saint Simeon Stylites. Have you guys ever heard of this dude? No. Well... I'm not going to look it up. I can't wait, though. You want to hear about St. Stiff's? <laughs> all right, here we go. This is, I don't remember all the, all the facts and figures without looking it up. But St. Simeon Stiles decided that the world was too uh, morally depraved for him. So he decided that he would build himself a pillar. Uh, he's, the word stylites comes from like, uh, you know, like a pillar, stylite pillar thing. Mm. So he decided he would build himself a pillar. It was like, started like a three-meter pillar and he – built this platform on top of the pillar and he lived on this pillar for a certain number of years and uh, people, he would preach and people would come and hear him and he would preach and uh, he wouldn't get off the pillar and he would uh, people would bring him food and they would wheel it up to him or pass it up to him I think on the three meter pillar and uh, and then he they he would uh, you know uh, his excrement his body of waste would be lowered down and passed down and taken away by his disciples but after a period of time he decided that three meters was just not far enough so he built a pillar ended up ended up something like 10 meters in the air and living on this pillar up away from society and uh, if, interestingly enough he apparently there's legend that says he saw great miracles and there were a whole bunch of crutches left at the bottom of the pillar and all this sort of stuff so he lived this isolationist worldview uh i don't know what you think of that uh, I think the the risk is that they they ended up 
like we talked about in the last series, I think the real risk is that this forsaking of some kind of pleasure can start with a good intention, like mm. fasting or mm. you know living yeah. as a celibate person or whatever. But ultimately, the risk is it, it can become the idol in itself. So uh, they didn't, in they didn't always necessarily start off seeing the pleasures as evil, but many did. Mm in the end, which is the passage we talked about in Colossians 2. So that's the isolationist uh, monastic. Then we have the one that probably most of us would be mm. familiar with when we think of monasteries. Which we spoke about in, you know, in the, was it the last podcast or the one before one that? Before, I think. Yeah, so yeah, the, the Benedictine. Benedictine. So, yeah, so, yeah, so what we, when we talk about um, monastics is probably, you know, if you hear that term, everyone's probably more referring to the Benedictine. Most likely, yeah. Um, so the, it's about that community life that they, they came together, they lived together. Um, but they, you know, they, what, what they originally formed was that they were unhappy with what was going on in society, the perceived moral decay, yep. so that they um, brought together a community um, of believers so that they could then go and serve and engage their community uh, in a positive way. Yeah. Uh, and then I think, yeah, Adam says, shared about that they, yeah, that they bought healthcare and uh, education and all that sort of stuff and welfare, social justice. Some of the best beer in the Some world. The this beer. is true. Yeah. Belgian monks made the best beer. And I, I don't know if many people know that that was one of the things that they would only consume that during Lent. Because they only had beer during Lent. Well, they didn't eat anything else. No, I was going to say yeah, they, they just had. Right. Well, it was probably, don't, it don't was probably that thick. Don't yeah, it was probably don't yeah. eat your meat. You just have like, your flask. It was yeah. like eating a <laughs> yeah. piece of toast. Yeah, in, <laughs> a, in a drink. Eat your beer. <laughs> Settle down, son, and eat your beer. Yeah. Yeah. So thank, thank the Lord <laughs> yeah. for good beer. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I did you, not know that. So if you. Coming together and having a community event, make sure you've got some good Belgian some beer. Some good Belgian monk beer. <laughs> I might and have chocolate. to start drinking beer just for that purpose. Yeah, so, I'm not a um, big, big beer I'm drinker. I'm not a big beer drinker. Like, I, do I, they make a nice Shiraz? That's what I want to know. Well, I'm sure they do. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, sure that they probably find some dabbled. Belgian monastic Shiraz on yeah. the other <laughs> um, So, yeah. So, um, so, it was really that they didn't come together to pull themselves apart. They weren't isolationists. No. They weren't pulling themselves together to pull themselves out of the community yeah. to yeah. be separate. They pulled themselves together so that they can become stronger together to be able to then go out and then positively engage the community and make Great. change yeah. in that way. Yeah. Um, so that's more about like that's a great example of what, like a positive example of being, I suppose, a Christian ghetto. That's mm. the, that is the, the perfect example of a of what it should of be what like. it should be, be like. like. Yeah. yeah, I think that's we can agree that that's what we're trying to achieve yes. in our churches. Yes, yeah. we're we're trying to build a community of believers mm. um, that go to each other for for fellowship. Yep, they Support. go and they go to God for forgiveness, yep. Yep. and then they go out into the world Love to it. share the gospel. Love it. Yeah, I'm reminded of something I heard Pastor Mark Connor say. 20 years ago uh, at a conference I was at on, on in Brisbane, actually, mm. going back nearly 20 years, 19 years or something, and he was saying that churches, we see Sunday as our game day. Mm. He's, you know, that he's actually game time. He actually was saying Sunday's not game time. You've got to think basketball game. He said Sunday's the time out. We all come together. We plot. We plan. We go, okay, when we get back on the field, you're going to go left. I'm going to go right. This is yeah. how we're going to win the game. Yeah. Yeah. And then we head out of 
the timeout back into the real game yeah. for si- for six days and twenty three hours. Exactly. So the the time we have here, we refresh, yeah. we have a drink, mm. we plot, we plan, and then we all work together on how we're going to do it, and then we get back in the game. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's kind of what this monasticism historically that's what it well that's what it was intended to look like. I'm sure it wasn't perfect like that, and mm. there was still the self-righteousness coming into some yeah. monks that would compare themselves with the wicked pagans of the world and so on. But but the intention was to do what we're, we're yeah. striving for here, which is to equip, equip people to be Christians in culture. Yeah. Mm. Much the same as what Jesus did when he sent them out two by two. Yeah. He would go, all right, go out and do your thing. And then he brought them back in. Let's talk about it. Let's debrief. That's right. They they talked about it and they were strengthened so that they could go out again. And that's exactly what this is trying to achieve is to have that focal point where people can be energized. Yeah, yeah for sure. And trained. Mm. And Yeah. And yeah. learn, like, that's the biggest keys, like, how are you going to go out unless you've learned? Yes. Yeah. Part of the reason we want to do these podcasts is because it's a tool for us as Christians to learn how to engage. Yeah. Man, yeah. that's good. Right, well, we kind of got it, gone there already. We, we want to ask the question, what can we learn today in the 21st century from those who've gone before? Mm. So... We're starting to talk about um, the idea of coming in and going out. Mm. Is there anything else that you want to add? Well, I think the benefit of coming in, that solitude, that disconnection from the noise of the world, mm. that doesn't even have to be like within a Sunday. That that The whole idea of solitude mm. of that time is, is a healthy practice. Jesus says often withdrew to lonely places to pray. So there is value in separation for a purpose. Mm. Separation for fear of the world and being tarnished by the world is not healthy. Mm. That's not what the monastics are talking about. That's not what Jesus is doing. Jesus often withdrew to pray to refresh him to go back into the uh the world yeah Yeah. and so our motive behind the solitude we have two people who are side by side both in solitude and one can be for a healthy motive and one can be for an unhealthy motive Mm -hmm. so if we can have that disconnection social media fasts are a healthy way to do that today um finding ways to do that they're all good things that we can learn from these guys learning to care for the poor you know these essential and healthy part of a church i think and i think um the difference is that we often see between the, I think I often see personally between those who I would consider withdrawers today um, or people who are trying, a lot of people who are trying to live this monastic life, but really what they're doing is that they're withdrawing, is that they fall into this trap of judging the world. Yeah. And the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, and Andy Stanley says this, and I've never forgotten this. He, I first heard this on one of his sermons, I don't know, maybe seven, six, seven years ago. And he said, a simple phrase, judge the believer, not the heathen. Mm. And uh, he's saying we Christians spend so much time judging the heathen, <laughs> judging those that are outside the church. But the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 9 to 13, he says, it's not my job to judge those outside the church. Mm-hmm. It's my job to judge those inside the church. Mm. The point being is people outside the church haven't signed up to live by our moral standard. Yeah. So it's wrong for us to judge them yeah. by our moral standard. Mm. Yeah. We judge those who do live according to our moral standard. Mm. Uh, the John the Baptist you talked about. I mean, yeah. he he judged Herod. Yeah. And people go, well, hang on a second. Herod wasn't a believer. Mm. Yeah, but Herod was 
the self-confessed king of the Jews. Yeah. By virtue of the fact that he put himself in mm. that position meant that he had signed up to live by mm. the Jewish moral standard. Yeah. And therefore, when he wasn't, he was acting yeah. as a member of the community mm. of God. Mm. And John the Baptist came in and said, hey, you can't live that way. But you don't see John the Baptist mm. talking to Pontius Pilate about that way because mm. Pontius Pilate had not put himself in a position mm. where he signed up to live that way. Mm. So we have to make sure that we uh, we have a high moral standard for how we live within the community of Christ. Yeah. Mm. But outside the community of Christ, our job is to share the grace of God, not mm. change people's morality mm. as step one. Yeah. And as John Chris, the great theologian, said, check oh, your yeah. heart. Check your heart. Check your heart. <laughs> he has said that from time to time. Yeah. But uh, is it – sorry, just a side note. Is, um, was it – who had uh, some sort of uh, like Jewish heritage? Was it Herod or Herod or Pilate? One of them. Herod had, had he was part Jewish. Part Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He was Idumean. I think he's well. He was married to a Jewish woman. Yeah. And the Idumeans were half Jewish, half Edomites. Yeah. Yeah. Neighboring country. Yeah. But he was he put himself in that position yeah. where he was Just, living yeah. as a Jew. We should be interesting side note. Yeah. Yep. Interesting bit of history there. Mm. History. His history. History. Historical history. So, what? But what? What would you say to Christians that are advocates of the isolationist or Benedictine approach? Do you, Do you think that it will work? Do you think it's good for them and their families to to be out of the world? Yeah. I I think that it it can work, but the thing is that I don't know if it's actually achievable in today's current culture. Yeah, okay. you'd you'd have to. We completely withdraw yourself from technology um, because if you have access to any technology, you can have any access to social media, which means that you are then in the culture. Mm. If you have a Facebook account, you have a Twitter, you have an Instagram, you'll, you are, if you still have a MySpace page, you're still part of the culture, even though it's so outdated. And if you, if you don't, there's a good chance your children do. Yeah, and that's the thing. So you can't, as much as you want to be able to withdraw yourself mm. or your family from that, you'd have to completely take yourself away from technology because the temptation will be there to connect because there'll be pressures from – because you still will be going – if you're trying to do it the right way, you'll still be going back out into the culture. You, you, you're withdrawing yourself to become stronger, to go out and be a light into the culture mm. that you'll be connecting with them in some way. So, if you, you it's going to be really hard. I think that you probably could 100 years ago. Maybe 100 years ago, yeah. 200 years ago. Yeah. You, you could do that. But yep. now, because the world is so connected. And you lived on the farm and you didn't really interact with anybody other than yeah. your local community and yeah. the world is connected, yeah. Mm. So, yeah. a lot of people, like a lot of people in, in rural areas, they probably do, it, to withdraw yourself is a lot easier, but it's because you are so far removed. But again, it's that you've got technology. Mm. It's if you'd have to be, you'd have to remove yourself from that technology to be able to do that. And I, I don't see a way that you'll be able to do that without doing that. And yeah. I don't like, I don't, under, I don't, in my mind, I can't, can't see, see how it could be done. Unless we get a shift in culture. Because I, I, I wouldn't say, I know that it, um, that one of our location pastors, Edwina, has spoken about this before as well. And I'm, and I've, I've had that uh, a view that we potentially could get to a point where, um, you, emerging generations 
will withdraw themselves from social media because they see can start seeing the damage that it creates. Yeah. And they'll be like, I don't want to be like my parents yeah. that are that are that are so addicted. addicted and so and so they'll withdraw themselves from those things. Yeah. So there might be generations in the future that could yeah. potentially do this. But right now But right now, now I don't yeah. I don't think that it could happen because I think that I well one, I don't think most parents at the moment probably could be <laughs> withdraw themselves from technology i'd like i i haven't even got a family yet um, mm. there's just myself and my wife and my lovely wife erin shout out um, yes. but um there's no way that i could withdraw myself from technology to that point i i like i can do it for maybe a couple of hours i can not look at it at work uh still sometimes pulling the sneaky one at lunchtime and stuff like that but i can't see that myself completely removing i like i'm not super engaged on social media hmm. um i'm on there i'm reading about what people are doing just so that i can keep abreast of what's going on but yeah i don't think i could completely remove it's myself. possible we may have some people listening to this who think well i'm not on social media and i'm not engaged hmm. and i think for those people it's you know i think it's more about being aware that your children there's a good chance that hmm. your children are yeah, yeah. um and if they're not hmm. There'll come a time, mm. and I've met people who have largely sheltered their children from the world, mm. quote, unquote. Mm. Uh, but there comes a time when, unless they're going to live on the family farm yeah. all the days of their life, mm. they'll have to go off to TAFE, they'll have to go and get a job. Mm. And and I've watched people in that situation, sadly, kids who have been overly sheltered have not been equipped to live mm. in the world. And yeah. I'm not saying this is the, mm. the case for every one of them. Mm. Uh, there are people who've made it work but but i think it's far safer as a parent of now five mm. and and certainly have made lots of mistakes and and you know you know our kids shout out to all you kids <laughs> who are all amazing but you know we haven't been the greatest of parents all the time uh but i i think one thing that we have tried to do uh is is try to equip them for the fact how do i live as a Christian in culture and not absorb not removed completely from that and we haven't done yeah. that perfectly but yeah. but my advice from my experience as a parent is is the the whole thing of trying to uh, remove your children from society is probably not the best way to go Jesus says go into all the world Adam yeah. you're big on this mm. go into all the world and make disciples mm. yeah. that's that requires us to train our kids mm. and the, be in the world to go in the world and be yeah. in the world and yeah. how do we do that yeah. unless yeah. you're going to live in an Amish commune even some of those have yeah. iPads these days. Yeah. And, that's, and, the, and the, like, I know that people have tried to keep the kids off social media to a certain age, but YouTube has become social media as well. Whether you, it's not necessarily particularly viewed in that way, but you go on there and you engage with people in videos, whether it's live streaming videos or yeah. um, just in, in comment sections and the way you go through. It, that Something is like 50% media. of kids under 12 say that when they grow up, they want to be a YouTube yeah, they want to have a full time career on you from YouTube. Yeah. So yeah. I, I know parents that have stopped their kids from having social media accounts, but let them go on YouTube, mm. and it's just like, well, that is becoming probably a more popular form of social media yeah. without the actual label. Yes, it is. Yes. Then, yeah. then Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram. YouTube is the second biggest search engine in mm. the world yeah. after Google. Interestingly, it's owned by Google. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not to mention video games. Like my two kids, they love to play video games mm. and their video games seem uh, pointless in, in my mm. mind, but they are 
yeah, they're they're communicating with people and they're That's it's, right. It's Video games is not an isolationist thing anymore. No, not at all. Yeah. It's not I mean, times you're connected. my son in the middle of the night and said, Hey, do you realize how loud you're talking to your friends? <laughs> yeah. He's got the headphones on. That's mm. right. And I I personally don't think we can withdraw. Yeah. I, I just mm. don't see how it's actually yeah. possible. Yeah. And I also just see what isolation does to people. Um, when I look at the man who lived among the crypts in the Bible, he was isolated. Mm, and I yeah. think that isolation is actually a tool that Satan uses against humanity. Mm. He and, and when God created man, he said it's not good for man to be alone. Um, we were made to be in community. And yes, we can be in community with just our family and our church family, and that's all good and well. But what about all the rest of the people that need community? What about those people that are suffering from depression yes. and suffering in, in silence yes. because they don't feel like they have anyone to talk to? Um, as a police officer, I've had the unfortunate um, opportunity to, to investigate many suicides. Mm. And I often think to myself, what if one Christian... What if there was some community? What if there was community? What wow. if they, this person could voice how much pain they were in mm. uh, to a person that could actually lead them to the saviour mm. wow sobering thoughts yeah. mm. Mm. so there's those few ways we can um, kind of react to society one being to rail against and one to bunker down and, and then the middle ground Pastor Ron, can you teach us a bit more about the middle ground? Because we, we have gone at length into the railing against yep. the system and, and bunkering down, but we haven't really spoken about the middle ground, um, which is probably where we, we should spend most of I, our time. I think we should be seeking as Christians in culture to, to interact with the middle ground. Mm. So I think the way to do that is to, we don't compromise on our moral standard. Whatever that happens to look like for each of us, whatever we believe are our moral standards in line with the scriptures and what we in our conscience have read and in through prayer and the support of others around us, we, we, we will take certain stances on, on issues of morality on a wide range of things. At that point, we, we don't have to compromise that, but we can do that with a belief that there's still an external truth in a in a. a and a moral God, but moral middle ground is about maintaining that in a way that we don't lose moral authority yep. with the world around us. Mm. So that um, because if we if we do lose that moral authority, then there's no point really. We we might have our moral standard. We end up like you're describing, and we end up with mm. being people living in a community, living in our clique, while the world is going to hell around us. Mm. And uh, and all the while we think we are this living by this great moral standard as Christians, but we're missing the big point, which was to go into all the world. So mm -hmm. middle ground is about going into the world and living in the world, but not living like the world mm -hmm. so that we graciously love and serve the world. We don't judge the world. We love others and we represent Christ well. And hopefully we take, uh, we're able to take that mixture of, we talked about in the, one of the previous episodes of loyal subversion. We're able to take that point where we, we know what our standards are and we know why mm. we won't drop those standards, but we won't impose those standards upon the world. In fact, we'll live differently. We'll serve those. We'll get our hands dirty. We'll 
help out the poor and the needy in such a way that uh, and and the broken and the hurting in such a way that we can ultimately reach them, hopefully some of them, with the love of God. Mm. Jimmy, you want to add anything? No, I think that was good. Mm. So, in light of that, you know how how do we do that? So we're we're, we're coming. We're in October now, so we're coming up to the silly season, the work Christmas parties, and and all of the the festivities that will come. Um, and usually, what happens in in those environments is there's alcohol and there's all kinds yep, of point. things that um, we need to, I suppose, be mindful of. Yep. How do we engage in in those things um and still hold that moral Mm. um standard that we hold to dearly make sure you bring belgian beer (laughs) (laughs) that's worst thing about the belgian beer it's the most potent beer is that right so you only take one very exciting for them in the monastery (laughs) (laughs) whereas the south americans did it right it's very weak so you can have more beer ah i see yeah i love it Mm. Sorry, you can go. Well, I, I think um, I think as we head into that season, it, it's probably wise enough to rec- it's wise and prudent of us to realise the things that get in the way, um, where where our where our moral standards may be more. Uh, they they might be right moral standards. So you might be listening to this and you you have a a concern with alcohol, with drinking alcohol, and you heard us joking about alcohol, and you you feel a bit tense about that. Hey, if if, if alcohol is a moral standard for you that you don't drink that. Hmm. That, that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, we would not impose or expect that you should. So there might be, but but that doesn't mean that just because you don't drink alcohol doesn't mean that you can't go to the staff Christmas party at the pub. Yeah. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, that there are ways with God's grace. Uh, of course, there are people who, you know, you might be recovering ac- alcoholic and so there's certain boundaries. We talked about that, that you need to put in place. But be wise about your own boundaries, but don't put artificial boundaries in place, I would think. Mm. Don't go, I don't go to the staff Christmas party because it's a great opportunity to to uh, mm. reach people. We, we, I think times we've had, mm. as Christian culture, we've insulated ourselves from complex situations. We've insulated ourselves from mm. pain. We've insulated ourselves and marginalized ourselves. Um, and yet in the New Testament, it's it's clear that we'll, mm. we can experience God's glory when we actually... Uh, put ourselves in positions where we open ourselves up to persecution, where we open ourselves mm. up to people disagreeing with us. Mm. That's a, We'll experience something of God in those times. So if yep. we go into the party, if we go into the, you know, the Christmas season and you have, you know, Uncle Sam over who's the crazy drunk on Christmas afternoon, mm. d- don't shy away from that stuff. Mm. Find a way to healthily engage, I think, mm. because yep. you can be shining a light into those environments. That's exactly right. Yeah, Christian, the, in the Christian calendar, Christmas is the second most important or third most important time of the year. Depends on what you put your priority behind Easter as number one. And the cricket season is number and two? Cr- cricket se- or is it Christian? Oh, sorry, Christian. Christian, yeah, sorry. Christian and cricket kind <laughs> of do sound the same. Yeah, they do sound similar. Yeah. Um, it is a – yeah, anyway, I won't go there. Um but it's a, gr- a great opportunity to um, where people, if they're going to be open to having conversations, this is the time of year where it's going to happen. Yes. If you're sitting in a work situation, someone's not going to come up to your desk and go, and, and ha- especially if you're in an open work 
work situation or open workplace where mm. you're not you're in cubicles and you're not in offices mm. they're not going to come up and try and have a conversation about it but if you're in a pub where there's a thousand conversations going on someone will come up more chance of someone coming up and having a conversation That's a great point jimmy um and there's you know alcohol does sometimes make lower people's inhibitions the tongue. so that yeah so that but like the the fear that they might have about opening that discussion or maybe the self-control to not go over the top and and starting a conversation with, means that they'll those things will be dropped so you have the opportunity to then be able to have that conversation mm. which might not have been there before so if you remove yourselves from that remove yourself from that situation you will potentially miss out on opportunity because hmm. I know that the only times I ever um, have a chance to chat really about anything other than that I've got church on the weekend or something like that, uh, something that's a bit more substantive is in those situations, whether yeah. it's some Friday sort of drinks or yeah, something, yeah. something that Social isn't inside the normal work boundaries. It's yeah. like the Christmas party or, you know, the birthday, you know, monthly birthday lunch or you know quarterly birthday lunch where you go to the pub or something like that mm. it's the they're they're the opportunities where it's a different setting so mm. people will act differently um they'll still hold themselves in a, in a in a certain way because it's still technically part of work but they will still act differently they'll still talk to you differently because they're not going to come up and ha want to have work conversations they want to have personal conversations great point so you got a great so opportunity to avoid though. those is not so to take them is the is the yeah bunker down mentality yeah. it's the withdrawal mentality and it's it's yeah. missing a, a prime opportunity yeah. i guess is what you're saying and and and, and as as rowan said there's there's if you if there's a reason you're putting that boundary in place to not attend those that isn't a bad thing either yeah but you've got to then go okay why am i putting this boundary in place am i then as we've talked about before am i um, becoming pharisaical about it and i'm yes. putting that boundary there just because and i'm and i'm worshiping that boundary Great that point. rather than using that that boundary is not there to then re redirect me to jesus yeah that boundary is there and i'm worshiping that boundary you've got to find well really have that what is the discussion what's the, the purpose of that yeah mm -hmm. you know if you have an issue with alcohol or anything along those lines like that and and you you don't want to put yourself in that situation, mm. then you've got that opportunity. But you can also, if you're comfortable enough, um, you can actually go and speak to a couple of people that you were close with. You know, if you're in a work situation where you have that opportunity, if you're in a, an encouraging and good workplace, like I know that if I had an issue with alcohol in my workplace, and I, and I know that people in workplaces get the opportunity to do that sometimes. If you've got someone's close, go. I I do have an issue with alcohol at times, and I don't want to. Um, open myself up to that can you keep me accountable wow yeah. great thought and so, so you got the opportunity to do that and then go hey guys i'm going to be a designated driver if anyone wants to lift home when i'm going wow great i'm not going to be drinking so i'm going to i can take you home or give yeah. you a lift to the station whatever yeah so you know just so then that way they keep you accountable well, aren't you the designated driver you, yeah you can't drink you know yeah, like great. and make a game of it and that's you know, an put, opportunity put fines on it like you know, not not endorsing gambling, but put fines on it. Yeah. You know, like okay, if if you if you see me holding alcohol, even if it's not my own, I'm holding someone going to the toilet. I get a fine. Like <laughs> you know, thought. things like that, just so that and it goes in the kitty for next year's thing yeah. or whatever it is. Like you find a way mm. so that you can be engaged. Like yeah. whether it, you know, don't hold to something so rigid unless what i love about what you're saying there is that's a it's a creative way to maintain a boundary mm. and maintain 
maintain a moral boundary mm. and actually increase moral authority with the people yeah. rather that's than right. the boundary yeah. decreasing moral authority. Great yeah. thought. Great yeah. thought. That's, that's for right. someone out there. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And it's all part of letting your light shine before men. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, I, I've i done exactly what you said. I, I've said, all right, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go out for drinks and they want to go to down somewhere down the coast and I was like, right, I'll drive. Mm. And I know that that puts me in, in a place of boundaries. Yeah. for me and yeah and that's that's really good because they get to go off and have a good time and and i get to you know mm. kind of serve them in that yeah um by you know taking one for the team and 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 driving them so i guess that kind of wraps mm. this one up mm. in relation to the yeah, idea of isolationists yeah. and I think we're, we're all pretty well on the yeah. same page that we don't believe that isolationism is even possible yes. in this day and age, so, yeah. let alone is it good. Yeah. Um, and we all agree that in order to make disciples, we need to be in the world, yeah. um, it's, but it's very important that we understand that we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. Yep. Um, we're, we're called to be a shining light mm-hmm. in, in people's worlds. Mm-hmm. And um, in this time of year, you have a great opportunity to be that light. Mm-hmm. Um, some people may find themselves in a situation where someone's had way too much to drink and you are the person <laughs> who's holding their hair yep. back mm-hmm. or, yes. you're, or you're the person that mm-hmm. is... Um, picking up the pieces mm. love people through that yeah great mm. because we know that that behavior is a sign of their brokenness and we know that jesus is the answer to that brokenness yeah. guys before you wrap up can yep. i just can i just share a quote because i've go for it I've, so this is uh so dietrich bonhoeffer so he's a german um theologian yep um we've thrown out the term theologian a few times um but this is a, a quote from one of his book. theologian he was a real theologian yeah um not like us um attempting th- to be capital, capital c theologian yeah, yeah. um so this is from his book Life Together, and I've I've had to to read this for as part of my degree. I've, this is one of the books, and there was some great stuff in there, and they like about their community. They put created a community like a, a scholastic society type thing. But there's this great thing that a quote, and he's sort of also pulling on Luther as well at the same time as this quote. So uh, Jesus Christ lived in the midst of his enemies. Uh, at the end of all his disciples. At the end, all his disciples deserted him. On the cross, he was utterly alone, surrounded by evildoers and mockers. Uh, For this cause, he had come to bring peace to the enemies of God. So the Christian, too, belongs not in seclusion of a uh, a cloistered life, but in the thick of foes. There is his commission, his work. The kingdom is to be in the midst of um, your enemies, and he will... He who will not suffer this does not want to be of the kingdom of Christ. Wow. He wants to be among his among friends, to sit among the roses and lilies, <laughs> not with the bad people, but the devout people. O oh, you blasphemer and betrayers of Christ, if Christ had done what you are doing, who uh, would ever have been spared? Tell us what you really think, Mr. Yeah, Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer. Oh, boom. Well, he's the one that There's you know. He's the one that got had to leave Germany because he was against Hitler. Yes. So he's obviously he didn't hold back on his words. But no. it's just such a challenge. And like I think that yeah, 
it's just a uh, yeah the, so like yeah, right once on point again, having those, talking about having those strong words to our own hearts about how yeah. we're interacting rather than pointing our strong words towards others who who don't follow christ yeah those strong words need to be directed inwards towards mm. ourselves paul uh jesus all of the new testament writers had very little to say relatively speaking about the morality of the roman government of the systems of this world jesus said i've come to set up a kingdom from another place and so because of that he was determined that he they would live a different life they would live a life that wasn't all about words of judgment against others mm. uh, i think i think it was really focused on how can we reflect christ to the world yeah let's let's beat our own bodies into submission <laughs> so that we can love others yeah good words and as you love others, love us by liking and subscribing and Rate, sharing reviewing. and rating and reviewing yes, and, and all of those things. We, we thank you for joining us for these podcasts. We can't wait for the next episodes. Um, hit us up on Facebook if you've got any questions. We'd love to see you at C3 Picton or NC3 Camden on the weekend. Or Thanks. any other incredible C3 church around the world, over 480, 580, I think, churches all around the world. If wherever you might be listening to this, there will likely be a C3 church somewhere near you. Yeah. So until next time, thanks for joining us. Bye. God bless. Yeah.